Good morning. That's a bit too much of me, I think. <laughs> Ollie, would you mind putting the first slide up? And then hopefully this will work. And if it doesn't, then uh, I'm going to run backwards and forwards between the... Uh... No, I'm not. Good morning. Uh, this morning I'm going to be continuing our series, uh, our I Am series. Uh, this morning we'll be looking at the passage, John 10, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. But before we dive into the passage, I thought it would be good to play a quick game. This game is called, let's see if it works. <laughs> good shepherd or bad shepherd? I'm going to show you a handful of photos of shepherds, and I'd like you to shout out whether each one is a good shepherd or a bad shepherd. Do we all, do we all get the rules? Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Apparently, I need to do it with a flourish. <laughs> yeah, I agree. He's there. He's with the sheep. One on the left. Good shepherd? Yeah, he's carrying the sheep, isn't he? That might look familiar if you uh, have the Jesus um, little green book of stories. Uh, the one on the right. Bad, very good. Very good. What about this one? Bad? He's tripping up the sheep with his hook. He's a bad shepherd. He's a bad shepherd. Good shepherd. This is the lifeboats. Saving, they don't just save people, they save sheep too. Okay, that was a bit of fun. But before we start looking at what Jesus says a good shepherd looks like, I want to ask you all a question. Who is your shepherd? Now, before you all rush to shout out the Sunday school answer, Jesus, or squirrel, as one of my friends always says in Sunday school, I want you to honestly consider the question. Who do you seek guidance from? Where do you find your security? Who do you seek validation from to know that you're doing the right thing? that you're on the right path. Perhaps it's a friend or a particular author that you pick up the book every time you want to know what you're doing. Perhaps you like their series of books and so you always go to them first when you need some advice. Perhaps it's a podcast you listen to or perhaps more generally, maybe it's this. Your phone, social media. Where do you go when you need an answer? Is the first thing you do is to whip out your phone and Google the answer? Who is your shepherd? We all follow someone. We're like sheep. There's a reason the Bible contains various passages about sheep, about the flock, about shepherds, 
It's because we're sheep. We follow something. We like to think our decisions are our own, that we go our own way, as Fleetwood Mac would say, that we aren't influenced by those that are around us. But it's not true, is it? And that doesn't always work out great for us, does it? So let's take a look at your shepherd and ask a different question. Is your shepherd a good shepherd? How do they measure up to the good shepherd in the Bible? Let's read from John chapter 10, verses 1 through to 30. The frantic scrabble for the Bible, even though I put the passage up about five minutes ago. (laughs) Excellent. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hears his voice, and he calls his own name his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So, there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can come together and uh, learn about you more together. I pray, Lord Jesus, will you bless my words this morning? Will you give me the right words to say? Will you open hearts to what you have to say this morning and cast away anything I say that is not of you? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes it's helpful to look at the opposite of something to help us create a clear picture of what we're trying to define. Ezekiel 34 tells us a bit about what a bad shepherd looks like, and we'll touch on a couple of those points a little later on. In Ezekiel, Israel is promised David as their shepherd to look after the flock. However, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we see that even David is not a good, as good a shepherd as we'd hoped. When he sleeps with Bathsheba, tries to trick Uriah into sleeping with his own wife, to hide the fact that she's become pregnant, and eventually puts him in danger at the front of a battle where he's killed. God then rebukes him through Nathan, using a shepherd analogy. So with that in mind, it must have seemed too good to be true when Jesus declares himself the good shepherd. I mean, they haven't had a great experience beforehand, have they? What makes this shepherd better than all the others? What does Jesus do that makes him the good shepherd? Luckily for them and us, Jesus backs up his claim and teaches them and us what the good shepherd looks like. The first thing a good shepherd is, the good shepherd knows us. I know my own and my own name me, know me. Verse 14. Jesus tells us not only does he know us, but he calls his own sheep by name. They know his voice. If we haven't got, quite got the message, he says it again in verse 27. Does your shepherd know your name? Have you even been in the same room as your shepherd? Where do you get your Bible teaching from? Andrew Wilson, Jem Wilkin... Terry Virgo, do they know your name? Don't mishear me. They are fantastic teachers, and there is absolutely loads that we can know about them. But they do not speak directly into your life. They do not know your name. They do not know your context. They don't know where you've come from. They don't know where you're going. They don't know who you are. Their message is not written for you. This is why God loves the local church. This is why God gives the church elders. Your elders, Steve and David and John, they know your name. They know where you've come from. They know your context. They know where we're going. When they're preparing their messages, they're asking the question to God, what do you want to say to the flock at Beacon Church. What do they want to say to you? I've done it in the past. I'm speaking as much to myself as to anyone else. I've written off a sermon because I think I've heard it before. 
it's one of those ones where you're like, oh yeah, or I've heard this at every church I've been to, comes around every year. But the eldership have chosen to preach on that for a reason. They've chosen that message for the flock because there is a reason for it. So don't dismiss it next time. Ask yourself, what is God saying to me through that message? When you've got half an hour to spare during the week and you haven't been able to listen to the preach because you've been doing kids' work or you weren't here, don't turn to the latest sermon from Mike Pilavachi. Listen to the preach from last week. It was written for you. The Good Shepherd Leads. Jesus says that he leads his sheep out of the sheepfold in verse 3. But better than that, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him. Verse 4. Jesus has gone before us. He's experienced life on this earth. He isn't asking us to do anything that he hasn't done. Has your shepherd... How many of you have ever been asked to do something by someone you know full well has never done it before? A lot of our leaders in this world have never done the things they're asking us to do. Even successful leaders take Arsene Wenger. This makes it sound like I know about football, and I really don't. (laughs) Take Arsene Wenger. He's been a hugely successful manager of a football club, but he's never played professional football. He's done a bit of amateur football, but he's never played professionally. He hasn't done it. That doesn't seem so bad, but Jesus leads. Jesus has done it before. Has your shepherd? The good shepherd feeds us. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. We looked at this passage last week with David. We looked at door. I'm looking at feeds. He takes us out into a pasture. Because in the sheepfold, if you stay in the sheepfold, you'll eat all the grass really quickly. You'll run out of food and the sheep will go hungry. Later on in uh, John chapter 21, Jesus reiterates this by telling Peter three times, feed my sheep. Literally and spiritually, Jesus feeds us. See, I am the bread of life that Steve spoke on a couple of weeks ago. Unlike the shepherds in Ezekiel 34, where in verse 2 to 4 we read that the shepherds were feeding themselves, not their sheep. Will these 15 life hacks that revolutionize your life, will they actually do it? Or will it just create more advertising income for the creator? Does your boss really want to help you with your personal development? Or will that course that they're sending on, send you on also really benefit them by getting you to do one of the jobs that they don't want to do anymore? Facebook's free, but they're selling your data. You think you're getting something from them. You think you're getting this network, but they're getting more from us than, they are, than we are from them. The good shepherd just wants to feed you, just wants to feed you, and he'll feed you what you need.
The good shepherd lays down his life for your sheep, for his sheep, for the sheep, any of those, for the sheep. One of the best ways to tell the difference between a good shepherd and a bad shepherd is how they respond when the sheep attack, are attacked. When the wolf comes, the good shepherd does not flee. He does not leave the sheep to fend for themselves. He lays down his life for them. A good shepherd will die before a single sheep is harmed or taken. He puts himself between the danger and the flock. How does your shepherd stack up? What will they do if you're attacked? Will they even notice if you're attacked? Jesus doesn't just say he'll lay down his life for us. He proved it on the cross before rising again in victory over death. As your shepherd? The good shepherd gives life. Verses 28 and 29, it says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. That life that he has given us, he will not let anyone take it away. He lies across the entrance to the sheepfold as the door, guarding the flock so that no one can come in and take one of his sheep away. Isn't that amazing? That point was for the other side. Jesus doesn't just give us life, he gives it abundantly. He came from the message. I really like the message translation in this. This puts it in simple words for those of us who struggle with big words. I came so that they can have real and internal, eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. These... Jesus doesn't just give us life in this world. He gives us eternal and abundant life. Amen? Lots of things in this world promise us a more and better life. Falling in love, more money, that new job you're going to get, that top-of-the-range sports car or your next holiday, they all promise a more and better life. But only the good shepherd can give us eternal abundant life. That was the one about guarding. Scrolled up too much. But isn't that amazing? All of that life, that abundant life, he guards for us. He protects us. He holds us close. The good shepherd seeks and unites. In Ezekiel, Chapter 34, verse 6, it says, My sheep are scattered. They wander over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. But don't worry, guys. In verse 16, Jesus says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock 
and one shepherd. In this context, he is speaking to the Jews about the Gentiles, about seeking out the Gentiles and giving them the good news as well. Most of us here are Gentiles. We only know Jesus because he came to find us and bring us together. Just think about that for a minute. Before Jesus came to this earth, there was none to search for us or seek us. No one. Who used to or still does collect things? Few hands popping up. The way that people are casually doing it quite quietly suggests that it's something that they don't want to share. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you. Perhaps you collected football stickers when you were a kid. Or you always wanted to get the full set of McDonald's Happy Meal toys. Me, I collected 1960s Murano glass fish. <laughs> Rachel really hates them. <laughs> so much so that she won't even let me take them from my parents to our house now. <laughs> In most sets that people collect, there's a common uh, item that's everywhere that is really, really easy to get hold of. There's that footballer that is in every single pack of stickers that you buy. Um, or you go to an antiques fair and that thing is always there. It's always there. Or perhaps you collect stamps and everyone loved it, so everyone sent you in the post that stamp. And so you've got hundreds of them. But some, some are rare. Some are really special. 1960s Murano glass fish with three fins. <laughs> oh my, are they rare and are they special? They didn't seem to make much, many of them. <laughs> And even the ones that they did make, I don't think they lasted very long. Because they had three fins, you could stand them up on their end a bit like a vase. But that meant that people kept knocking them off the mantelpiece and smashing them. So they never made it to the loft in the dark, dusty loft where they hid for 20 years before I uh, came and bought them for a tenner. I loved seeking out those fish. If you want to know why I was seeking out these fish, ask me afterwards. I go around car boot sales and antiques fairs, and I'd seek out these fish. If I found a fish with three fins, it was great. No matter what the cost, I'd buy that three-finned fish. I celebrated if I found a 1960s Murano fish. I rejoiced. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Being heckled by my own wife. <laughs> the parable of the lost sheep in Luke chapter 15 tells us that Jesus doesn't just want to seek the sheep. He rejoices for every single one. The shepherds of the world want to keep the blessings for themselves. 
and they want to keep them for the flock they've already got. As views polarize, it seems harder to bring people together. We can be tempted to keep the blessings for ourselves and for our own flock. It's hard having new people along that aren't like us. It's hard having someone whose life's a bit messy. But Jesus wants us to break out of our fences and invite those who are not part of our flock to join us and become part of our flock. Every single one. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, And we all, with unveiled, faith, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Let me read that again. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Beacon Church has a bigger sheepfold here at Vibe. If we want to see a growing and diverse church here, we need to become more like Jesus. We need to be better shepherds. So what does your shepherding look like? Are you feeding the sheep or are you feeding yourself? Are you seeking and uniting or are you keeping all the blessings to yourself? If the band could start coming back now. As we come to respond this morning in a time of worship, We need to think about how we shepherd and who our shepherd is. What is your shepherd like? How do they compare to that list? Does your shepherd know your name? Do they lead you, feed you, lay down their life for you, guard your life, give you life and seek you out? Are you following the good shepherd? Do you ultimately Look to him for validation, for your guidance. As I was preparing this message this morning, I felt particularly that there were two groups of people that God wanted to speak to this morning. The first are those that whilst I've been speaking, have had God highlighting someone or something in your life that you know inside of you is helpful, is a bad shepherd yet you continue to go there for you to get their opinion or to seek approval from, from them or that thing. I believe Jesus wants to set you free from that this morning. Perhaps you've been struggling, perhaps you know it's bad and you've been trying and trying again to ignore it, to turn away from it and focus your eyes on Jesus. I believe Jesus wants to set you free this morning. He wants you to put you on the path of finding a better earthly shepherd. But he also wants to focus his eyes, your eyes, on him afresh this morning.
The second are those that shepherd someone or a group of people. It doesn't have to be in church. Perhaps it can be at work, in your family, amongst your friends. I believe God wants to speak to you this morning about who you can become to be a better shepherd. How can you be better shepherd to those people or that person in your life? Perhaps he'll highlight one of the points I've spoken about this morning. Or perhaps he'll just give you a fresh energy for that flock. Perhaps you're tired. Perhaps you want to lie down and let the sheep roam for a little while. He wants to give you a fresh energy this morning so that you can shepherd that flock well. If you're in neither of those groups, or if you've yet to come to know Jesus, maybe just spend some time reflecting on who the good shepherd is. Don't be passive this morning. Engage with God this morning and ask him, show me who you are. Show me the good shepherd.